in your Bibles to Psalm 10. And I'm going to just maybe hit some high points in this before we go home uh, here tonight. And, uh, And for all of those that are online with us, Uh, Let me tell you what's been happening with people that are not members of this church. Um, In the last several months, we have had people that have uh, sent substantial amounts of money uh, to our church. Uh, They have expressed, they have enjoyed being able to catch up with us. Some of them are as far away as, as 800, 900 miles from us. Uh, there have been others. Obviously, that's in another state. Uh, but throughout all of this, they have have been. It's, it's been amazing um, what has taken place. And I, I would say that um, Matt Lewis and Clay Forrest and Sarah Duke that they're the primary three. We have others. The Dawn's up there sometimes. Nate's up there sometimes. Um, Brandon has been up there some. Lauren's up there some. But primarily it's been Clay, Matt, and Sarah. And they have helped us to reach into places that we would normally never have been able to reach into. And, uh, and we've had a few little technical difficulties, not on their part, but our Internet server uh, has been down a few times. Uh, but for the most part, it's been very—it's been a very positive thing, and um, so I, I'm thankful for that, and thankful for those that have uh, helped. And, and I am going to specifically call out uh, Marva uh, over in Louisiana. Marva usually catches up sometime during the week, and uh, we love Marva. And uh, you can't hear them, Marva, but they all are nodding or expressing back to me this church loves her and um and and it's always good to see her tag in and various others brother hales over in popeville mississippi and uh, brother and sister hank bud uh, over in mississippi as well and uh, sister duke uh, i mean sister dunn sister iona dunn and sister deborah dunn uh, they are usually very consistent And we appreciate them being with us. Amen. Psalm 10, it's a lengthy passage, but I'm going to read all of it. The Bible says, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? And why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor, and let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. For the wicked boasteth of, the, of his heart's desire and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous, and thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He had said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud, and under his tongue is mischief and vanity. 
He sitteth in the lurking places of the villages, and in the secret places doth he murder the innocent. His eyes are privately set against the poor. He lieth in wait secretly as a lion in his den, and he lieth in wait to catch the poor. He doth catch the poor when he draweth him in into his net. He croucheth and humbleth himself that the poor may fall by his strong ones. He hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, and lift up thine hand. Forget not the humble. And wherefore doth the wicked contemn God? For he had said in his heart, Thou wilt not require it. Thou hast seen it, for thou beholdest mischief and spite to requite it with thy hand. The poor committeth himself unto thee, and thou art the helper of the fatherless. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. The heathen are perished out of his land. And Lord, thou hast heard the desire of the humble, and thou wilt prepare their, their heart. Thou wilt cause thine ear to hear to judge the fatherless and the oppressed that the man of the earth may no more oppress. I want to pray that the Lord would help us. Lord. Your word, God, speaks into our lives. It is thousands of years old, and yet, Lord, the power that it has and the freshness, Lord, that it has is is unbelievable. And I ask you, Lord, tonight that for the next, Lord, few minutes, that, God, that you would help us to know that your presence is near to us, that, Lord, that you are with us as a church Lord, you have an eye that sees everything that takes place in this world. And I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that in the face of all of the injustice that we see and the calamities, Lord, that that are not only in our nation but that are in our world, I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you deal with them speedily. And we know, Lord, that you can do that. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you touch our nation Our nation, Lord, is in dire need of a spiritual awakening and a revival. And I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that even, Lord, in Washington, D.C., that you strengthen and heal our president. Lord, put your hand on President Trump. I pray, God, for his family. I'm asking you, Lord, that you touch, God, even his marriage. I pray, Lord, tonight, God, that you touch our vice president. Lord, that you keep your hand about Mike and Karen Pence. I pray, Lord, that in the coming days, Lord, that whenever this justice, Lord, for our Supreme Court is to be confirmed, I pray, God, that you would smooth out the path of that, that, Lord, that there are people in our nation, God, that still desires righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you or talk to you on a prayer for justice against the wicked. I think probably that all of us in the last several months have been very um, astounded, surprised, shocked 
at some of the events that we have seen that has taken place in our nation. And uh, some of that is almost uh, is to the point where that you say that you can hardly believe uh, what has taken place. When Paul made mention of, of something that we may overlook at times in our rapid and hurried uh, look at Scripture, I, I want to point out to you tonight in Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit or to know the redemption of our body. Paul was talking about how that creation is groaning. You are seeing our world groaning right now. All of these natural disasters that are taking place, whatever they may be, whether they are hurricanes, whether they're earthquakes, forest fires, storms of a variety of nature, what are we looking at? We are looking at our world that is groaning right now under the burden and the weight of sinful man and of our wicked enemy, the devil. And then there is a groaning that is within us. There's times I have heard uh, pastors say, I have even heard some of you say that you are ready for the Lord to return and to come back. And yet I would also say that we are not really a persecuted church. That we're not really a church that is in fear of our lives or uh, that there will be physical harm that comes to us if we come to church. But despite that fact, we feel the spiritual pressure that takes place in our lives. I would say that probably most of you, and I feel this way, that there's times where that when we get to Sunday, it's almost like it has been two months since I have been in the presence of the Lord because of all the calamities that have taken place in our world. And then Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he writes it like this, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in heaven. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our house which is from heaven. And if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle, we do groan being burdened, not for that that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. There again, if you ever wonder sometimes why there's a groaning that's taking place inside of you, what is that? That is that you are longing to get into the presence of the Lord and to be in the presence of a righteous, redeemed church that we one day will enjoy. And so there's times where that, that saints of God, that we come in contact with things in this earth and that there is a reaction that comes against that. Why do we feel like we feel sometimes whenever we see the riots and we see the injustices and, and we see a variety of things that if you know anything about the word of the Lord, you say, how in the world can this take place? I would say it's because you have been born 
born of water and spirit. And what's taken place is by virtue of that spirit that's on the inside of you. Because of that spirit, you are experiencing some of the feelings of the attributes of God. One of God's attributes is justice. And so we desire justice. We seek after justice. And I believe again that that is one of the matters that takes place in this Christian life, that once you receive the Spirit, that that innate sense of justice gets inside of you and begins to react to that. And I bring up again a political event that took place here several months ago whenever Justice uh, Brent Kavanaugh was going through his confirmation and we began to see all of the things that was doing to try to literally shred that man's reputation and tear his life apart. There were things within us that because of a righteous justice, there was a reaction that said we are against that. We don't believe that those things should be taking place. And so your heart is stirred toward justice if you have the Spirit of God that is inside of you. And so whenever we start thinking about this, what does justice, what stirs that feeling inside of us? There's times where that we hear stories about people that have given their lives to companies and then two months, six months, a year before they're ready to retire, that person is fired or released from that company, totally counseling out their retirement that they had for all of those years. We, we feel justice whenever we know that there is a person that's having to endure criticism from something that they were not guilty of. We we sense justice whenever we see a, a divorce that takes place and then the ex runs off and it seems like that everything about their life is just fancy and fantastic while that the party that is left behind picking up everything, trying to hold the pieces together, that, that, uh, that it seems like that nothing falls in their direction. There's a feeling that we have for those people. Why do you have that? Is because that you have been born again. I believe that uh, that even if you have not been born again, Paul said that there is a law that has been written in our hearts and that by virtue of that law being written in your heart, that there still is a feeling that you know what is right and you know what is wrong. We, we know that there are times where that a person that is committed to holiness and lives a life that exalts God, and yet they never seem to be able to get a break with a job promotion or seemingly to get ahead uh, financially. It seems like that they're always just sort of playing the play off of their back foot. Uh, there's other times where that we look at public humiliation and we look at, at, the, uh, at, at the private pain of the righteous. And all of those things cause us sometimes to be where the psalmist was. And I would point out to you what I read to you there in verse 1. If you still have your Bible open, there's a very alarming question that David asked. Here's what he says. He said, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord, and why hidest thou in times of trouble? Because what is David seeing? He's seeing that wicked is the wickedness of his enemies, that it's like they are prevailing. 
and you start trying to, to summon up in your mind, you, you cannot help but to have that ominous feeling even about our nation right now where uh, that it appears that, that sin has the upper hand. Now, I realize that some of the things that we're dealing with in our nation is because of the laws of the harvest. And we've had years and years and years of things that have been planted by previous generations. And now we're having a harvest that has taken place because of the sexual revolution that took place in the 60s. And again, the, the incredible impact that Hollywood has had on the lives and the hearts of people to try to cause them to think otherwise because they allow their minds to be opened up to that part. And so David comes along and he's pouring this out to God in his prayer. Lord, why do you stand afar off? And why does it seem like that you're hiding yourself from me in a time of trouble? It's not so much that the trouble that seems to be the problem the problem seems to be the distance. We know God can take care of the problem. But the question that David is here is, is Lord, you know the problem is there, and, and yet why is it that you seem to be far off? Now, I remember growing up, when I was growing up, my, on Saturdays, my uh, mother I, about once a month or so, would drive over to uh, her parents' home in a little community called Ino, and and the job was generally that day is that my mother uh, would go in with my grandmother, and uh, she would make a dress, and Mark and I were under the watchful eye of my granddaddy, Charlie Danford. And... um. I hate that my children, my granddaddy passed away in 1988. I hate my children never had him as a great-grandfather. And now uh, that I have grandchildren, it would be his great-great-grandchildren. There would be just great fun and excitement that they would have around uh, my granddaddy. Uh, but my granddaddy would... Uh, in the afternoons, we would go in, and, and we, didn't, we grew up without a television, and so we were like hypnotized by television. And every Saturday afternoon uh, on WTVY, wrestling would come on, and uh, my granddaddy would get in there and park on the couch, and Mark and I would sit in there, and we'd try to keep one eye on wrestling and keep the other eye on my granddaddy because my granddaddy would have a running commentary going back and forth with those wrestlers and they'd be talking to him, except they couldn't hear what he was saying back, and he would get to talking to them. And, and I'm telling you, it was quite an event to see him do that. Well, that trait, I guess you would have to say, is, has happened to me somewhat, and it's probably happened to you, that there's times whenever you start getting uh, on Fox News and you start hearing some of these talking heads and you just start spouting off and talking back to them that they don't know what they're talking about and that they have no idea what they're saying. And, and again, that's what we see in this world, that we look at these images and we say, Lord, there's a problem and we know you can take care of this problem, but why the distance? 
And then he goes on. He says that there is some action of the wicked that's against God. Look there in verse 3. It says, for the wicked, they boast of their heart's desire and they bless the covetous whom the Lord abhors. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, he doesn't seek after God. God's not even in all of his thoughts. Look down to verse 11. He said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face. He will never see what we are doing. And we've experienced that. You've watched the riots just like I have. You've seen the things taking place in our nation just like I have. And you have felt in your heart and in your spirit, what can I do to help this situation? And I've even told the Lord this in prayer. Lord, I am so small in comparison to the gigantic problems that are taking place. In fact, on Tuesday night, uh, during the uh, debate, and I don't, this doesn't make me a hero, but I'll just tell you what I did. I didn't, I didn't listen to the debate. I didn't watch the debate. I come over here to the church and I prayed during that debate and my prayer was, Lord, open up the eyes of this nation and help them to see. And then after I got out of it and my wife started telling me what happened, I thought, I wasted my time and God didn't answer my prayer because that didn't happen. I was wanting the world to be woke up, to be awakened, to see what is taking place in our world. And, and you look at this part and you say, the wicked, they're boasting of their heart's desire. And, and the covetous, the, the people that it seems like that are at the top of the food chain that they want to crush, everybody that's under them, David was at at that point thousands of years ago. He knew the feelings that we're experiencing now. He says, Lord, I look at these people and, and they say, God is forgotten. He, he hides his face and he will never see it. Even if you look at some of the billboards that they print or the, the signs that they hold up, at some of these places, it's basically said this, that God is dead. God is so far away. Trust me. James says it like this, that your life is a vapor in James 4. He gets to James 5 and James says it like this, that there's coming a day when the grass is going to wilt. And it is going to be, it's green now, but there's coming a day when the sun is going to shine down on it and it will turn brown at that moment. And it's in those moments that once their life has literally been exhumed that this God that they were pushing against, this Lord Jesus Christ that died for their sins, they will be confronted with that justice. And there will come a moment that we all will exalt in, in Philippians chapter 3, that every knee will bow, I think it's two, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what the scripture has to say. Do you realize that the devil will be prone face down? That every one of the fallen angels, that they will be down and they will exalt and out of their 
their mouth there will be praise and will be worship that will pour out of their mouths against a God that they said he's forgotten. I'm going to tell you, I want a ringside seat to that. I want to watch that. That in that day, this God that we have been worshiping, the Lord Jesus Christ that has walked up and down the aisles of this church, he's even here now while I'm preaching that he's been in this church here tonight, that there's coming a time where the power of God, that we will embrace it and there will be a moment where we will be able to say that every bit of the wickedness and unrighteousness and the filth of this world, that it will bow down and there will be a moment of justice that will come against the wicked. That's why you gotta be plugged into the church. And David speaks of these things. I think that that should motivate us as, as men and women uh, that we go about our service, that we should make sure that we don't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of pride. Because what makes these people speak like this? Why do the wicked boast in verse three? Why are the covetous seemingly blessed and the Lord hates that? The wicked through the pride of their countenance, they don't seek after God. God's not in all of their thoughts. I pray that there is never very much time that passes by in your day that you're not aware of the Lord Jesus Christ in whatever way way, shape, or form, or fashion, that every day that you live your life out, that your thoughts are never far away from God. Because if we have that, what does it do? It prevents pride from getting a foothold in our hearts. And so it is, it is part of the routine for sinners to glorify themselves. How, how does that work? Well, it causes sinners to to, and to somehow praise ruthless and greedy men. And then once they start praising men, then they start cursing God. God's blasphemed. God uh, is not sought for. God is shut out of their thoughts. I want you to turn with me for a moment to Romans chapter 1. And I, I didn't give this verse to uh, Matt and and uh, clay, but I want you to to look at with me for a moment in Romans chapter one and look with me to verse eighteen here is what the Bible says. The Bible says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now let me unpack that for you for just a moment. The New American Standard and the ESV, the English Standard Version, here's what it says there. It says that they hold the truth, they suppress the truth in their sinful actions, which can be pretty scary because there's times where that even children of God can suppress the truth with their ungodly actions. They know what the truth is, but they, they push it down. They suppress it. They say, I don't want to hear or acknowledge that truth. And David speaks to that matter in 
uh, our, in our hearts and in our lives. At the root of that is pride. And it is ever so hard to get a proud man to bend his knee in prayer or to bend his knee in worship because there is something that it, about that pride that just causes him to oppose God. I, I want to tell you this, that it is somehow important for us to understand that two of the things that moves us toward God, number one is prayer, number two is brokenness. And I'm going to tell you, I was blessed tonight. I was watching up here, on. I was singing. Boy, it was absolutely awesome, me singing here tonight. If you don't believe me, you ask my daughter and you ask Sister Amber how good I was singing up here tonight on this platform because they were the ones that was close. And if everybody's worried about social distancing and saw us all up there without masks, all of us in that corner over there, all of us have been positive for COVID, okay? So she's been COVID, she's COVID positive, he's COVID, she is, and I am, Brother Patterson is, all of us in our little huddle, we've already had it. So we're not too scared about that. But I was singing with great gusto. And we were singing that song about uh, Jesus, hold my hand. And I got to looking at some of you here in the congregation. There was some of you, you was clapping and singing with great gusto. There was others of you, there were, you were weeping as you were singing that song. You know why? It's because here's, I'm gonna tell you how you connect up with the Lord. Two things, prayer and brokenness. When the Lord starts seeing somebody praying and when the Lord sees somebody that's broken, it's like all of a sudden the Lord says, I'm gonna respond to that because it is a broken and a contrite spirit that the Lord begins to move in to somebody's life. I would go as even as far as this, that prayer and brokenness is sometimes better for us than shouting and dancing in the aisles because there's something that begins to happen whenever the Lord sees that. Thomas Manton says it like this. He said, I'm gonna tell you something. He said, pride gave us the first merit of death and envy the first instance of it. The one was the mother and the other was the midwife of human ruin. Adam was the sinner, but Cain, he became the murderer. Their envy tasted blood and ever since it is only satisfied with the taste of it. And so pride speaks those things and David begins to speak to that matter and to that part when he says that. Look with me uh, to verse 2. It says, The wicked in his pride, he persecutes the poor. And let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. I'm just going to just give you a little bit of, of uh, help here where you're praying. You see what, you see what David says in verse 2? He says, the wicked in his pride do persecute the poor. And then he prays, let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. There are times in your praying that whatever wickedness that is opposing you, that you begin to pray, Lord, I want you to let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. Sixty million plus abortions in our nation. 
a president that signs in and helps a Supreme Court say that homosexual marriage can be legislated civilly. And those things begin to come into our heart. I'm just going to say this. If you are a thinking Christian, then there's no way you can endorse that kind of behavior. And you say you're being political. No, I'm not being political. Whenever they veer off into moral areas that are clearly expressed by the word of God, then I have a responsibility as a preacher of the gospel, as a pastor, as a minister, to tell you that we cannot support what that stands for and what that is moving us as a nation forward. That's why we've got to be a church that we're going to say through thick and thin, high and low, we're going to be committed to what the word of the Lord has to say. So having said that, I will also say this, that I have never prayed more for a president and for a vice president like I have prayed for our current president and his vice president. I mean down on my knees. I prayed for President Bush whenever he was involved in uh, 9-11 back in 2001. I, I prayed for our president during that time. But the consistency of what I see that our nation is battling against, I have prayed for men and even women that are in political positions that the Lord would strengthen them and that the Lord would give them health and would give them strength to help them to be able to come against the wicked and David says that if your prayer let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined and that's where we have to live our lives as children of God that now that if there's ever been any confusion in your mind about where we stand as a nation, it's a defining moment in our nation and it is crucial. I have no power outside of this church and have very little influence outside of this church and sometimes I wonder how much influence I have even in this church. But I just want to tell you this, I'm going to do everything I can to influence you toward righteousness and influence you toward godliness and to help you as saints of God to be able to discern the times and say we must be apostolic, which means that we not only believe in miracles, signs, and wonders, that we not only believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, but we believe in the inerrancy of the Scriptures, that we believe believe in holiness, that we believe that there is a matter of prayer and that there is the sanctity of marriage and that there still is genders that the Lord has specified and they are male and female created, he, them. We have got to have that and I pray tonight, Lord, you must have justice against the wicked. There needs to be churches that are committed to say we're going to pray to that end and we're going to give ourselves to that matter. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. And so it's four minutes till eight o'clock. A lot of you have been here for a long time. So I'm going to ask you to stand. But the characteristics of the wicked 
they're spelled out for us here in this chapter. In verse 2 through 4, we see their arrogance. In verse 5, you see their prosperity. You see their security in verse 6. You see their vile speech in verse 7. You see their violence in verse 8 through 11. And whenever you look at David's words in verses 8 through 11, his language is incredibly descriptive because here's what he does. He said they operate like assassins, they look like lions, and they act like skillful hunters. And it's important for us as a church that you think clearly that there is some discernment in your heart and in your spirit. That whenever you start seeing the talking heads and you start hearing the politicians, I pray tonight that somehow that the Lord would pour His truth into every single one of us and help us to recognize. And tomorrow night, and Tuesday night, and Wednesday night, there's going to be a prayer revival. And we're going to pray. We've got to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our, our state. I, I would even go this far. The churches in California right now are under a great amount of religious pressure. Apostolic churches. Brother Art Hodges, his church has been under fire. I don't know if you were aware of that, but he is, he is embroiled in a lawsuit. Uh, John MacArthur that pastors Grace Community Church in Los Angeles. His church has come under fire. And then there's another church in Northern California. It's pastored by Dr. Jack Treber. He is an independent fundamentalist Baptist. And they started fining that church $50,000 a day. Tell me that that's not wickedness. Tell, tell me that that is not something that is coming against our nation. Now personally, because I believe that we're in the last days, I believe evil men are going to wax worse and worse. We're going to see more of this. We're aware that these things are going to take place. But what I'm asking for is I'm saying, Lord... Give us another little bit of a reprieve. Give us a revival before you come back. I'm, I'm just going to honestly address some of our backsliders that have called me and talked to me because they have been watching us online. I, I just want to make my plea to you. You've got to do more than just watch online. If you're in close physical proximity to this church, I'm telling you, 
these doors are wide open. We've got five entrances to this new sanctuary. You can come in, you can sneak in the side doors or you can make a grand entrance right back there in the front. But I just want to let you know this, that when you walk in this church, that I got a feeling that you're going to find this place a whole... You, you right now are worried and nervous about the reaction that people are going to have towards you. I want to tell you to put that fear out of your mind. I love you hear them clapping, but they're clapping right now. You walk in those doors and there's going to be five or ten people that's going to be wanting to pray for you. We're in the end times. It's important that we make sure that our calling and our election is sure. Let's sing, Sister Regina.